Our second reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verses 21 to 30. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation. And this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for the abundance of your grace, for the abundance of this life, for the abundance of this very moment. We thank you for your word that encourages, for community that supports, for this journey which we are on together with you. Now may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak, and take from my mouth those you would not. Amen. So as I prepared uh, for this morning and sat with the texts uh, from the lectionary this week, uh, two of which were read this morning, I couldn't help but think about what a gift from the Holy Spirit it is in those moments when you have a perfect text for a perfect day. And I felt like this text from Philippians, as I sort of sat with this this week, was really beautiful, in particular on a day which we are installing and ordaining new elders, and in which we are electing the pastoral nominating committee. Particularly in Philippians, when he talks about living your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live your life together in this community. Live your life loving and trusting in the fullness of all that God has provided and will provide in your very persons to carry out about the work of this kingdom. And yet what I love also about it is this text from Jonah, which I feel like we want to give just a little bit of time to, because I love Jonah. And we could talk about the fact that the book itself ends with this question. It's just like even when Salonia read it, and you read, and also animals, there's this pause where it's like, and like the Gospel of Mark ends with kind of a, a, a cliffhanger, but this one, it's just like, okay, so that's it. But I want to back up and really talk about Jonah there 
and how much I love how beautifully Jonah speaks to this day when we are inviting people into a new kind of service for this church. Because what I love in the midst of Jonah's bitterness and frustration and annoyance that God is doing exactly what he knew God was going to do, which was to be gracious, he misses completely the fact that he is the one who brought that message of God's graciousness to the Ninevites. Like, I want to back up just a second. So Jonah has actually come in and has proclaimed this message, and it has been so effective that it has worked. The people have completely changed their ways. They've completely woken up to who they are, so much so that God has said, I'm not going to destroy them anymore. I've changed my mind. Now, this happens sometimes in Scripture, and it's always a big deal when God changes God's mind. Jonah's preaching has been so effective that the entire city has been saved. (laughs) And I love that he's annoyed by that. I love that he's annoyed by love, like, because I think it speaks so beautifully to those times when we find ourselves so frustrated because we have this expectation of something and then it does or does not go according to our plan. What I love in this is that his expectation goes completely according to plan. He's like, great, I'm going to go there. He forgets that he's part of the story. God's going to be gracious because God's going to be gracious and God's going to be gracious. But what he misses there is that he is actually the vehicle for God's message of graciousness to the Ninevites, which I feel like we should just hold up because in so many ways it shows how much power we actually have to carry the message of God's grace out into the world. Just this message, or just this morning during our two minutes to talk, and Katie, you completely pivoted my day with this whole conversation. When we asked, what do you admire in a leader? What do you, is it admire or most look for in a leader? What do you want in a leader? And I had a handful of different ideas. I think I ended up saying clarity. But Katie said grace. And these days, especially working at a huge agency with thousands of people, I would choose grace over competence any day. And I'm stuck on that. I'm stuck on that because I don't know how I could ever think of a a more fitting answer for what we would look for in a leader. It's grace. Now, the tricky thing, and what we talk about when we talk about leadership in the Presbyterian church or in this denomination, as you ask people to stand up, those who will be serving as elders and those who will be serving on this nominating committee, specifically talking about the leadership of this congregation, note that the pastor didn't stand up. And I love that about the Presbyterian denomination because leadership is embodied by the body. When I was trying to discern my own sense of call, I actually went to read the Book of Order and I was discerning whether I felt called to be a ruling elder or a teaching elder or minister of the Word and Sacrament. This was a number of years ago. I think ruling elders are such a beautiful part, an essential part of what it means to be Presbyterian because that is where the governance of the church, the faithfulness of the church is lived out in a very specific way. You care for the church. The pastor cares for the church in a particular way as well, to embody and to equip, rather, those within the congregation to do the work of service. And there is a carrying out of that service in that, but the call to do the governance and the order of the church is largely on the shoulders of the elders. Not just those who are in office either, because once you're an elder, you're always an elder. Sorry. But what that means then 
is that as you continue to build people up into these leadership positions, you then have a whole body of leaders. And you get to learn that leadership looks a whole lot of different ways. And that sometimes that leader is the person who's out there speaking and saying the thing and having these different conversations. Sometimes the leader is the person who's stacking coffee or making coffee here on Sunday mornings or who's coming once a month to the Wednesday suppers or who's coming once a month to the Sunday dinners, Barton House, right? You start to see that the leaders show up in all different kinds of ways. And that's what I love about also what Paul brings in because we are all collectively leaders. We are all collectively part of this body of Christ. We are the way that God is embodied in this world. We are the way that this message is carried out. It can't be done without us. It can't be done without us. And what that means is that we are uniquely equipped to do exactly what we have been called to do. And that's gonna look different for each and every one of us. But the important thing is to recognize that we are all called and that we are all equipped together. We are all equipped, but it is together. And sometimes what that means is that as we learn to live into what it means to be the body of Christ, that we're gonna disagree. As we talk specifically to the pastor nominating committee, as you move forward to this process, there are seven of you that are being called. Seven. What a good number. It's not just an odd number, but also a number of completion. Seems fitting. There will be times when you have questions or concerns or when you have to talk through things. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to disagree, but sometimes you will. And what I'm finding more and more about this time in the church and about this time in this world is that disagreements are going to happen. There are going to be times when we're frustrated or resentful because we forget that we also get to bring in that part of the body. And that what we are called to do is to live together in faithfulness, to recognize that we are part of the body. What it means to live as a people worthy of the gospel is to live into who you were called to be and to trust that you, just as you are, are fully who you need to be. And that as you start to live and to work within this community, you start to see the ways in which God provides for not just you individually, but for the community as a whole. I've been having a lot of conversations with folks lately who are in the midst of a lot of transition and uncertainty. Anybody else feeling that? Like maybe the whole world is like this wibbly-wobbly, teeter-tottery thing and we don't know what's going on. I want to bring up this analogy that I mentioned a few weeks ago in a sermon. And I want to bring it up again because it continues to be relevant. So I recognize that I said it a few weeks ago, but also that most of y'all probably weren't listening anyway because I talk a lot. So I'm going to bring it up again because I think it's really relevant. We have had these collective experiences lately, and I think about this, I've experienced this a lot on the level of the presbytery, but also on the level of this congregation, where you have a pastor who left, you're searching for a new pastor, you have an interim, right? It so often feels like you're in this place where you've taken this collective leap together, this leap of faith. This trust, what you're doing today with installing new pastors, with electing a nominating committee, you are taking a leap of faith together. And what happens with that so often and what we're finding is that we don't have quite the parachute we thought we did. It's scary when you take that leap of faith. And what that parachute may mean will vary from place to place. So we find then we have this experience where we forget that we leaped and we feel like we're just falling through thin air without a parachute. Anybody have that feeling in life lately, or is that just me as well? You're falling, you don't know what's going on, you don't know where the ground is, you don't, you don't know what's going on. 
It is unsettling, it is uncertain. I don't know some days if I'm upside down or right side up or inside out or back or forth. I don't know. Things feel wibbly wobbly. And so going back to that analogy, what I keep realizing is that just as though we do not maybe have a parachute, maybe that's not actually the right question. Maybe the recognition and the thing that we're learning is that there is actually no ground. And so the invitation for us here, again, I will say it again and again, is to learn that we have actually been flying this whole time. We have been moving through this place. We have been looking for this sense of certainty in these institutions or in these things that we have been told have this control or this measure. And it turns out they don't. Because it turns out that certainty, that trust, that truth, that honesty, that is actually within us. The church is us, not the institution. So what we get to find, friends, is that steadiness we are so seeking. That steadiness, that trust, that assurance that we need, that we know that we need. We get to find that in ourselves and in one another. We get to find it in ourselves and in one another. And I will tell you that again and again, as we learn to trust in our community, in one another, we will calm. We will find that steadiness that we need. We will find that clarity and we will look and we will recognize that God has been providing all along. And God will continue to guide us through these stages. Live your life worthy in a manner of the gospel to which you have been called. I believe all that means is sit down and know the grace that holds you. And know and trust that that grace will carry you through. And when you have moments of disagreement, whether with yourself or another person, know and trust that that disagreement is not a point of which you should tear yourselves apart or down, but an invitation to learn more about the abundance of God that is embodied in every single one of us. So a different point of view begins to be a perspective to understand something new about the divine and the way God is moving through everything. God is moving through everything. That includes you. That includes me. The invitation is to recognize it, your capacity to be a bearer of the grace of God here in this world. Amen.